This is the Beer and Pubcast. Speaking up for British beer and pubs. Hello, I'm Adam Batstone and welcome to the Beer and Pubcast, the regular podcast from the British Beer and Pub Association. Today we've come to the Adnams Brewery in the beautiful town of Southwold on the Suffolk coast and we're going to be focusing on the question of sustainability and what the beer and pub industry can and should be doing to protect the environment. Specifically we'll discuss plans for a deposit return scheme which the government hopes to introduce. But now we're going to head somewhere where it's a little quieter. This is the Beer and Pubcast. Although you may still hear the odd seagull, I've come inside the Adnams offices now where I'm joined by Andy Tai, who's the policy director for the BBPA, and Andy Wood, who's the chief executive of Adnams. Andy, if I start with you and just get an overview, if you can, on how that whole issue of sustainability is impacting the beer and pub trade in the UK. Yes, of course. It's an area that's been a focus for a number of years now. Brewers are major users of energy, of water, of packaging materials. Um, And of course, with the link to farming, with the ingredients of barley and hops, there's a close link there. And on the pub side as well, you know, a lot of meals are sold in pubs now. So food and food waste, you know, is a particular issue for our members as well. But it's perhaps been heightened, you know, very recently, actually, with concern around uh, plastic uh, litter in the ocean, around climate change, and the government have introduced some ambitious new targets around emissions reductions, uh, and also some ambitious targets around packaging reform as well. So our role at BBPA is to help shape that legislation so it's proportionate and workable for our members, help our members comply with that legislation, uh, and also champion all the best practice and good work that's done in the industry. And there's, there's an awful lot of that. And we'll hear examples of it here today, no doubt. Specifically on that point about practical examples, Andy Wood from Adnams, I understand that sustainability is an important issue for you as a business. Can you talk about some of the kind of practical things that you're already doing to address these concerns? Yeah, well, I I think we recognise very early on this whole issue of climate change and uh, the very serious issue of sustainability. Um, Adnams is a business that's been around since 1872 in itself. That's a that's a measure of sustainability. But it was back in 2006, I think, when we really sort of put our money where our mouth is. We uh, brought online our new distribution centre made out of lime hemp blocks, biggest single glue lamb uh, beams in the UK, 90 metre end to end uh, from sustainable forestry, an acre and a half of sedum on the roof, so it's actually dragging carbon out of the atmosphere, uh, no artificial heating or cooling. And that really stood in itself as a totem for where we wanted to take the business in the future. So um, we're purpose-led, values-driven, and sustainability was one of those values and we wanted to bring it to life in real and tangible ways and that's what we did it served as a good signal to our customers it served as a good signal to our staff that we were serious about this as a business and the bbpa is about to publish its uh, green report which looks at these issues across the board are you able to talk about some of the sort of things that that report has highlighted 
Certainly, and actually the, the first thing that it highlighted for me is there's an awful lot that we need to shout about as an industry and that's already being done. I mean, there's a huge amount of innovation and investment going into uh, this area. So some of the highlights from the report, um, emissions reductions are down 42% uh, from the brewing sector over the last 10 years alone, and that was on the back of significant reductions prior to then. Uh, we're now using half the water uh, to make every pint of beer than was the case in the 1990s. So again, big, big savings there. And then in relation to packaging and packaging waste as well, I mean, some of the examples uh, of what people are doing around innovation there, some of the lightweighting um, and some of, you know, just an example of taking plastic out of the rings that, that hold the cans together you know, save significant amount of plastic. So there's some really good examples in so there. So it's, it's a pretty positive story on the whole. It's very much a positive story. And, and the one thing that people perhaps don't always realise is that selling beer in pubs, 93% of that goes through fully reusable and returnable casks and kegs that last up to 30 years. And that in itself is a good story. So Andy Wood, from Adam's point of view, making the sort of distinction between the kind of work you talked about as a brewer and your, you know, that building that you, you, you mentioned, which is now kind of uh, zero carbon. Indeed. Um, how about in your pubs business? What are you able to do there, you know, in the kind of front of house where you're dealing directly with the consumers? Where, where are you trying to save energy and be more sustainable in the pubs? Well, where Andy has um, identified has been a feature of the brewing industry for time immemorial is that it's a closed loop system. So delivering casks of beer or kegs of beer to a pub, they come back on the lorry. That is a closed-loop system. There is no waste within that apart from the vehicle using fuel to get to and from the pub. So that's been good. Our brand positioning around sustainability as well and being known as a company for sustainability means that we can have a discussion both uh, upstream in our supply chain with our suppliers and downstream with our customers uh, around initiatives that they can take and of course we're doing all the things that that others are doing and perhaps we were doing them a little bit earlier I would never be conceited about that but we're taking plastics out we we were very early on to the water use uh, thing and making sure that uh, our brewery was efficient from that point of view and I think customers which I would define as pubs and consumers want businesses to look after these things for them they don't just want to worry about this themselves. They want the people that they're buying goods and services to be run in a proper and sustainable way. So I think that works for us. And that's something we've been doing in our supply chain since way back when. Tell me a little bit, if you can, about, I think I read about the Use Your Loaf scheme that Adnams had. What, what, what is that all about? Well, we worked with Marks and Spencer on that, and that was about using waste bread from to sandwiches. make beer yes indeed and um, there are other businesses that have done that but Marks and Spencer came uh, to us we have a very good relationship with Marks and Spencer um, we're a top tier plan A supplier to Marks and Spencer that's an example of a bigger business working with another business in the supply chain to make sure sustainability is flowing up and down the supply chain. Andy, um, you referred earlier about the sort of pressure coming from government as well as sort of public awareness around these issues. How does the UK compare with some of the other countries in Europe in terms of this sector? What are the regulations in this country compared with, say, Scandinavia? And how, how is sort of breweries here doing compared with our European neighbours? I think actually the, the UK does pretty well actually. 
um, broadly across things like emissions reductions, where there's ambitious targets and it's been a focus for a while, and also meeting the European packaging uh, recycling targets. Again, the UK is on target uh, with those, but those targets are getting tougher uh, and the UK government recognises more needs to be done and will need to be done to meet those tougher and tougher targets. And there are Scandinavian countries, you know, when we come to talk about DRS like Norway and Sweden that are held up of as really good pillars of where, you know, recycling is very much ingrained in the culture uh, and recycling rates are up at, you know, 90, 95%, whereas you know, in this country, probably still in the sort of 60s and 70s for most materials. So you've mentioned DRS, the Deposit Return Scheme. That obviously is a major issue, not only for pubs and brewers, but for anyone who's making beverages and retailers, etc, etc. Andy, it'd be useful if you could just set the kind of context a little bit around this. Why is this coming in now? Where are we in this country, England, Wales, and where Scotland, who I think are a little bit bit ahead of us in this where have we got to so again this has actually been driven partly by european legislation uh, and under the circular economy package within europe uh, an ambition to have 90 percent of plastic bottles collected uh, by 2030 and also for plastic bottles to contain at least 30 percent recycled content and to do that you know recycling rates and the way recycling is done you know, and that more circular economy with those plastic bottles coming back again so they can be reused by the manufacturers, um, you know, is becoming a more and more important thing. So the UK government, as part of its wider packaging waste reform, uh, are planning to introduce a deposit return system that will place a deposit on all beverage cans, glass bottles, PET bottles. Um, PET, just for benefit of those who aren't in the know. Plastic bottles. Okay. Um and retailers will be obliged to charge that deposit onto consumers. Uh, consumers will pay that, then they'll take the container back to uh, a shop and redeem that deposit, and then the retailer will be reimbursed uh, when that container goes back to the scheme. But there's a slight complication that Scotland is uh, ahead of the game compared to the rest of the UK, and they're bringing forward DRS proposals that will come in two years uh, ahead of the rest of the UK, and that creates some additional challenges. I can imagine. In the so, supply chain. So, from Adnam's point of view, obviously, this particular piece of legislation is going to have a major impact for you as your counterparts. Where are you in terms of your planning around uh, DRS? We're looking at it. It is some way off yet. We have a business that's very adaptable and flexible. We've um, changed the business a number of times over the last few years. And with having sustainability at our core, it means that our staff are ready to adapt. It means that our supply chain is ready to adapt. And um, in general terms, we're very, very supportive of this initiative. We do work with the universities of East Anglia. We work with Cranfield University. We work with Imperial. We would like to check out the science around this because sometimes there's unintended consequences as well. But generally, we're absolutely supportive of the notion of a circular economy where somebody's waste becomes somebody else's fuel source, becomes somebody else's product. And that has to be a principle if generally as an economy a developed economy we're going to make the necessary changes to deal with what's happening in terms of climate change andy from adnam's point of view and andy ty from the bbpa point of view how would you characterize the sort of level of awareness so among your tied pubs that you run around the country 
is is the penny dropping? Do people know that this is coming down the line and this is going to have an impact on the way that they have to run their 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 parts? Well, well, Andy talked about the UK generally perhaps being a little bit behind some of the exemplar countries in Europe and in in the world around recycling, but I think UK consumers and publicans are used to the notion of recycling. I'm not sure that this will come as a great surprise to them. Um, is it top of their agenda at the moment? I don't think it is. But certainly when it comes, we can start talking about it. We'll be able to talk about it with authority to our customers and our consumers. And it's something that uh, we welcome generally. How would you describe the, the, the broader picture in, in, on that specific question around awareness, do you think, Andy? I mean, I would agree with Andy. And I think all the survey work shows that consumers are very supportive of the idea of a deposit return scheme. I think what um, the communication uh, challenge will be and what still needs to come through though really is the mechanics of it in reality uh, and the fact that it's not just you take something back and you get 20 pence or whatever it might be but that will be an additional charge in the first place so you know on a multi-pack uh, of beer that might be 20 bottles that might be four pounds uh, and then that's 20 bottles of glass beer that you've got to look after that you currently put in your household recycling uh, take back to the shop get put them through the reverse vending machine get your four pound voucher go and get the cash for that so there is going to be a challenge for for consumers in in changing that behavior uh, and i think that that awareness is perhaps not as high as it will well it will certainly need to be as, as we get closer to the implementation and and specifically i mean you talk there about some of the kind of practical considerations around how the scheme actually actually might work but what about um this question about whether to include glass bottles as well as plastic and metal i know the BBPA's position and your dealings with government is to try to exclude glass from the DRS rules. What's the reason behind that? Well, we've been very supportive uh, of the scheme, certainly in relation to uh, plastic bottles, and we're on the implementation advisory group in Scotland that's trying to work out the mechanics of the scheme, how it will work best for industry. But I think, uh, like all the, the retail sector and the producer sector, there's still a slight concern around the sort of the business case, if you like, for glass and how it stacks up uh, and whether actually because glass is very heavy, very weighty, it will need much bigger reverse vending machines. It's going to add huge amounts of cost and complexity into the system as well as the sort of health and safety considerations around food hygiene in, in pubs and retail outlets and, and broken glass and things. And actually whether improvements to curbside collection and getting that as good as it can be with, with bottle banks and things, actually you could achieve the same results for glass, um, you know, without a need for a DRS. But, you know, we're very open-minded about this, and I think it's more at the moment that that evidence base is perhaps not as, not as strong as it needs to be. Um, but, you know, we're, we're certainly not saying that, you know, glass shouldn't come, but I think, you know, at the moment our view is we can. We, there's a strong case for PET and for cans, uh, and, and that should be where the focus is initially. And from your perspective, Andy, for Adnums, what percentage do you know kind of broadly of your contained products is, is glass compared with metal or plastic? Uh, it's probably somewhere north of 30%. Right. So it's quite significant. And I think I'm with, with Andy. I think the consumer has got, gotten quite used to recycling glass. I think we can improve that scheme. Um, this is my point about the unintended consequences. You will be running 
equipment that consu- consumes energy. You will be backhauling empty glass on lorries. You will have glass standing around in, in yards, which is very space hungry. So I think we have to understand the whole sort of mechanics of this before we rush into it, because we may be able to leap over with innovation and technology where some of the leading countries are at the moment. So we've got a real opportunity, I think. So we should cover this in the in the round and keep our, our minds really open to what might be the optimal solution. And what would uh, Andy, I think, gave a sort of notional idea about 20 pence potentially per container. What what might that do, say, to a, I don't know, a, a, a 24-bottle pack of Adnams beer in terms of the price? You know, it could be £4, it could be £6. It, it's going to have an impact. Whether that will stop consumers buying, because they will get it back at the en- end of it, but we have to look at this in the round, and we have to remain open-minded to it. This is a business that has sustainability in its DNA. But we would even say, let's look at this in the round and let's keep an open mind to what the optimal solution might be. You say you're talking to, I think, UEA, Imperial, a couple of others about this issue. How far has that work come so far? Our conversation is much more broader uh, about the whole sustainability of business. So University of East Anglia has got a world-class School of Environmental Sciences, our conversation with them is on a much broader scale. Our conversation with Cranfield is is very similar. And we actually bring students from all those universities, including Imperial, into our business, and we're part of their courses. Uh, So we're learning from them, they're learning from us. So the conversation is ongoing. It's an ongoing conversation that we're having with these academic institutions. There hasn't been a kind of eureka moment? No, there hasn't. No, there hasn't. But uh, like me, I think the academics would say, well, let's look at this and let's look at the detail because the devil is in the detail. One specific point for a company like Adnams, which I imagine is operating some rural, quite small pubs in small communities, would you anticipate that those pubs would become a a deposit return centre, almost like a kind of facility for that community where people can bring all kinds of drinks bottles? Or is it, from your point of view, important that it should remain purely for the pub itself? In a a sense, that's already happening. There are, up and down the land, there are bottle banks in pub car parks and people are quite used to this. Anything that uh, brings pubs to the centre of their communities is a really good thing. Um, people feel a sense of ownership of their pub. It's 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 an amenity for the village. So if this can be used in a very positive way, that's great. And as uh, Andy has already alluded to, so have I. Let's see also if we can optimise the existing system. I imagine one of the potential downsides about being a collection spot, as soon as these returned bottles, cans, plastic containers have a monetary value, there's a whole load of considerations which go around that which you may, may may not have to think about at the moment where they're essentially just bins. Well, I can remember, and I'm showing my age now, but I can remember going and collecting beer bottles and taking them to the off-licence at a pub and getting tuppence back for it. So um, I'm sure there'll be people uh, who'll quickly cotton on to that. And Andy Ty for the BBPA, you, you refer to this potential issue around the fact that Scotland is ahead of England and Wales in relation to this, which may mean that the regulations are in place in Scotland before they are in England and Wales. What has been your experience or conversations with your um, members 
who are operating cross-border, as I believe Adnams presumably distribute in Scotland as well. What are, what are the issues there around that, that two-tier system? Well, I think almost everyone is united in the view that if there is going to be a DRS system, which there is going to be in the UK, it should be UK-wide or at least GB-wide to maximise the efficiency of that scheme um, and the sort of you know minimal disruption for existing supply chains and routes to market. Because at the moment, um, I'm sure Adnams and others will sell into a lot of channels and won't actually know exactly how much of that ends up in a Scottish supermarket or in an English supermarket. Under the DRS, you will have to know that uh, if you know, because you'll be de- charging deposits for your stuff going into Scotland and not into England. So there's a whole issue around stock keeping on space, storage, distribution routes, different labels potentially for the Scottish market that are going to add quite a lot of cost and complexity into the system. That arguably for little or no environmental gain. So you know, our view is very much trying to persuade the Scottish government to work with their counterparts uh, in the UK and at DEFRA, you know, to bring those timelines together as far as possible and make sure that the schemes are compatible. Can you report back on how those conversations are going? I, I'm, my understanding is that government wants to have a one-size-fits-all all containers in terms of materials, but the Scottish thing is going ahead, ahead it, of England. It Wales. does, and, and, you know, arguably this is where politics differs from uh, business uh, and the Scottish government are very keen to be seen as leaders in this area to be at the forefront they're, they're not prepared to sit and wait for the UK in terms of and they, they cite the uncertainty around you know the political regime in the UK as to actually you know when anything might come in for the rest of the UK as another reason why you know, they're keen to press ahead with their ambitions so far that's that's what we're working to um, but you know those discussions will continue. And on that point, the Scotland point, Andy, from for, for Adnams, how far have you got in terms of, have you been able to address some of those concerns? I, I think, um, like Andy, I think this is an important subject area. It's inevitably political, but uh, running a business in the UK at the moment is uh, you, you get buffeted around a bit. And uh, on this issue, we would uh, prefer to have a UK-wide scheme. It just makes sense. These supply chains are no respecters of borders. Vehicles are passing over the borders several times a day. Having a different scheme at the end of a road is bonkers, in my view. So we'll just have to see how that pans out. I think we'll just have to wait and see Okay, all right. Just one more point about the DRS, if I may, Andy Ty. On the sort of logistics, who runs it and who pays for it? Well, the, what, the most positive aspect in terms of both the UK government's plans and the Scottish government plans is they recognise that industry are probably best placed to run a deposit return scheme on a not-for-profit basis. So the government will set recycling targets and then it will be left for industry to manage that scheme on a not-for-profit basis. Uh, and essentially the, the funding for that machine, the, that scheme will come from the material value itself when that comes back. It will come from uh, any unredeemed deposits that are in the in the system. So consumers that don't bring back the bottles, that 20 pence will stay within the scheme. And importantly for, for Andy and producers, the balance uh, that pays for the whole infrastructure, the retailer cost, is a producer fee. So that producer fee will be on top of the deposit amount. Um, and it's that industry running of a scheme that will seek to minimise that producer fee to make sure that it's, you know, not not adding significant cost where it doesn't need to. Okay. Finally, just maybe staying with the green and sustainable theme which we've been talking about uh, today, 
It'd be really good, uh, Andy Wood, if you could maybe give us an example, not necessarily an Adams one, but where you think the beer or pub sector is, is really doing some good. I mean, have you got pubs in your estate which you're particularly proud of from this sustainability perspective? Um, yes, is the answer to that. But I, I would like to point to the light, light weighting of our bottle as an example. And we were one of the first to do this. That set off somewhat of an arms race because we were claiming uh, about the light weighting of the bottle and the carbon emissions that that, that that saved and the efficiencies that were gained from that. And other brewers followed suit. There was almost seen as a competitive advantage, but that was competition working in a really positive way because others lightweighted their bottle and probably went further than we did. And therefore, all this carbon emissions, all this efficiency was built into the system. So that's one of the initiatives, quite a small initiative, and we worked with OII, our bottle manufacturer, on it. And it's been really positive, not only positive for us, but positive for the whole industry. And so that's something which is ongoing, presumably. Indeed, yeah, indeed, yeah. that's a that's a recurring saving every year. And as as we uh, grow our sales in bottle, um, that becomes bigger savings that we make. And what about you, Andy? Have you come across any particular examples which you think that really kind of captures the philosophy here? What people are trying to do around sustainability? I mean, probably in Brewing Green, uh, which we're about to publish, there's two examples. Um, that are just worth mentioning. I mean, one one is a quite simple one, uh, and it's Budweiser Brewing Group. Um, you know, they've they've signed an agreement that a hundred percent of their electricity uh, going into those sites is from renewable sources, which you know, in terms of reducing emissions, is is a really important step. Uh, and then the other one, right at the other end of the scale, is Hogsback Brewery uh, down in Farnham. They've um, got a hop garden now right next to the brewery and they've just made a, a major investment as well in a hop kiln so they can actually dry those hops as they're picked fresh and pack them and use them all the year round and that's a great story in terms of local provenance in terms of reducing food miles and emissions so again just two examples at a different end of a the scale there that that we highlight in, in, brewing, in brewing green and then at a really micro level i could point to a small rural pub six or seven miles from here that has put raised beds in its uh, on its disused land at the side it's working with the local primary school the kids come and tend the uh, the food that's being grown there the food then ends up on the plates of pub customers that's a closed loop system it's educating the next generation it's placing the pub at the center of the community that's a win-win for everybody so more examples like that. That's the trend that we're looking at as we... Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Gentlemen, thank you very much indeed for your time this morning. Great to be here at Adnams in Southwold. Thanks very much to my guests, to Andy's, Messrs. Ty and Messrs. Wood. Please visit the BBPA website for some accompanying show notes. And until next time, cheers. This is the Beer and Pubcast. For more news from the British Beer and Pub Association, you can follow us on Twitter at Beer and Pub or visit our website, beerandpub.com.